Well, 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 look who finally decided to show back up. I don't know what you're talking about. I just went to grab a snack. It was like 10 minutes. Dude, what do you what do you mean? These people but they've been waiting. We forget it. Forget it. All right. Let's just get back into it. Episode starts now. Chapter three, the letters from no one. Another ominous title here. So Harry finally gets a little freedom in the summer. And I think that's mostly for the gladiator games that they're running here, where Dudley and his friends are chasing Harry around and beating him. Great family. Once again, truly wonderful people. Don't know how any of this bad stuff could have, could have ever happened to him. It's truly a shame. Really life isn't very different at the Dursley house until one day Harry has to go get the mail just because <laughs> this whole exchange is really funny because Petunia says, here's the mail come through the slat. So Vernon goes, oh, Dudley, go get the mail. And then Dudley's like, oh, make Harry get it. And then Vernon's like, Harry, go get the mail. And then Harry's like, make Dudley get it. And he's like, hit him with your smelting stick, Dudley. Like hit him with your little cane, just like beat on him. So like Harry's like, all right, fine. I'll go get your stupid mail. So he goes to get the mail and he's scrolling through. Well, I'm scrolling. They don't scroll yet. They don't have any of that technology. So he's like ruffling through the mail until he comes to a piece of parchment with some very bright green ink on it that has a very specific address on here. And I'm going to actually read to you guys how he addressed Mr. Harry Potter. You could read along on page 34 of your copy. Yet here it was, a letter, addressed so plainly there could be no mistake. Mr. The cupboard under the stairs. For Privet Drive, low whinging, Surrey. Pretty specific. It sounds like somebody knows who they're trying to get in touch with there. And Harry, in a stroke of straight dumbassery, does not just hide the letter so he could see it later. He drops all the rest of the mail and he starts opening it right in front of everybody. So naturally, Dudley is a little snitch. And he's just like, oh, Harry's got a letter. Harry's got a letter. So Vernon takes it away from him. And can we also, like, Dursleys are terrible people. Because Vernon is, he's like, who would write to you? And, like, they open it up. And then as soon as they open it up, Vernon and Petunia just lose their damn minds. Because they know what's going on here. They know what this letter is. But our boy Harry does not. Because he doesn't know anything. And Harry and Dudley want to see this letter so bad to cause them all this reaction. And then Vernon like freaks out. He kicks them both out. Like, you know, that's how he means business where he even kicked Dudley out. He wouldn't like share with Dudley any of this stuff. They were listening at the door and Vernon and Petunia are just like running around seeing like, oh, could they see us? Are they hearing us? Are they watching us right now? And you're like, oh my God, what are they talking about? Who do you think is like this much on your shit? It's unbelievable. And they decide to get rid of the letters. They burn it. Like Vernon actually goes to, it says Vernon goes to visit Harriet. It's covered. And he like knocks on the door and like ducks under and goes to talk to him. Like he actually gives a shit about him. And then he's like, you know, like your aunt and I have been thinking you're getting kind of big. We're going to, we're going to move you to Dudley's spare bedroom upstairs. So like know how it's like Dudley's spare bedroom. Like yeah. that's bonkers that this kid has a room for all his like broken toys. He literally just has a spare bedroom. That's yeah, how rich like, these people are. It's unbelievable. Uncle Vernon makes a great living at Grotting. It's to the point where Petunia doesn't have to work, and they have like this giant, pretty good sized house for their family. A s small thing on the on the first letter that I did not catch at all in the movies or the first read of the books because I don't think the movies talk about it at all. That mm -hmm. um, Petunia and um, Vernon know that harry is probably a wizard and that his parents were wizards and the book says quote didn't we swear when we took him in we'd stamp out this dangerous nonsense 
that never clicked with me that they knew and like obviously petunia knows her sister was a witch and went mm -hmm. to hogwarts so that was awesome on the reread that i noticed that oh, and dude. i mean it's pretty specific later she literally says i knew my sister was a witch and went to hogwarts but like at this point i'm like oh they did know oh yeah so they definitely knew try to get it out of him. They were trying to make it. So like, I don't know what their end goal here was. They were going to make him miserable and not magical. And then just, he just grows up as a street urchin. I don't know what their end goal with this was. It makes no sense to me what they were going to do if he never ended up going to Hogwarts. Super interesting. Not sure what's going on there, but they clearly did not have a very good plan. So time just keeps going on. They move Harry to a new bedroom. So they're like, oh, if he's in a bit different bedroom, they won't be able to address this letter to him, which they'd probably still address it to the cupboard under the stairs and send it to the same address. But they'd be like, oh, we don't have somebody here. And then like they just keep getting letters. So really yeah, was, don't know how this would have solved the problem. a anyway. pretty stupid solution. <laughs> Normally people don't address the specific room you live in. So even if you move him to a different room, it's still going to be the same address. Man, the way I see it, it's just par for the course. Uh, <laughs> it's just Dumbledore being a troll again. Oh, it's so great. So we have... We have Harry in Dudley's room, and Harry remarks on how any other day in his life he would have gladly taken this room, but now he just really wished he had the letter, which is kind of heartbreaking because it's like, oh, he finally has it. It seems like somebody in the outside world wants to talk to him, but he'd rather have that over material possession any day of the week, which is really nice. And <laughs> when he's in Dudley's spare room, like the description of everything is phenomenal. I'm just going to read a little bit here just because it's so great. He sat down on the bed and stared around him. Nearly everything in here was broken. The month-old video camera was lying on top of a small working tank Dudley had once driven over the next-door neighbor's dog. In the corner was Dudley's first-ever television set, which he'd put his foot through when his favorite program had been canceled. There was a large birdcage, which had held a parrot that Dudley had swapped at school for a real air rifle, which was also now up on a shelf with the end all bent because Dudley had sat on it. And then other than other shelves were full of books and they were the only things in the room that looked as though they'd never been touched, which is phenomenal to me. I just love that description because it's like, he just, he's so spoiled and he just breaks all this shit and just doesn't care. And then the only thing he didn't touch was he doesn't care about the books at all. And he just like leaves it. And the fact that they let this kid just put his foot through the TV when his show got canceled is so funny. It just goes to show you how spoiled he is and the fact that he's currently downstairs complaining that he wants his bedroom back and they're still not giving it back. So he's normally super spoiled, but this is where his parents are putting the book down because of a letter. Weird. Yeah. So it's super interesting and that really helps you get the idea that, oh, this letter is going to be something super important. It's something that's going to guide our story. We're only on chapter three. We got a lot of story left to cover here. Yeah, we are still so, completely in the dark. Oh, yeah. 100%. So... Harry, again, he's super bummed that he never got the letter. But then the next day, another one comes and it has his new address to Harry Potter, the smallest bedroom at number four, Privet Drive, which is phenomenal. And then every day, like letters just keep coming and Vernon's going around. He's like losing his mind. He's hammering shut any opening they've got. He's blocking up the mail slot. He's whispering tiptoe through the tulips. There's a great description of like Petunia brings him some fruitcake and he's like so absentmindedly like freaked out he just like grabs the fruitcake and tries to like hammer in a nail with the piece of cake the dude is just losing his mind about all this stuff that's going down 
and they're just trying to figure out how these people keep knowing that Harry's either moving around the house or like they know that he's there. So their idea is they're going to go all prison break and Vernon is going to run away with their family. Loads everybody into the car. Uh, he spanked Dudley because he tried to bring his TV and his other stuff in his duffel bag so he could keep watching TV. And they're driving around and he's like driving and every so often he'll just like turn around and go the opposite way for another like inordinate amount of miles and then just like make weird turns. He's like, oh, gotta lose him, gotta lose him. I like to imagine that Dumbledore is just watching this and he's just like laughing the entire time. It's like, I'm still gonna find you. I imagine that at this point, this is when he told Hagrid to go follow them. So Hagrid's just flying with the motorcycle up above the clouds like, oh, he turned again. God dang it, I gotta turn. Ah, why does he keep going? Like, <laughs> at this going. point, it actually is a physical car chase, but he's up in the clouds. <laughs> Oh, that makes it so much better. Just like imagining like Hagrid just like doing like spin it around. Like it's like a car chase movie. It's like Fast and the Furious. Yeah. He zones out every so often and is like, oh, that cloud looks like a dragon. I oh, wait, he turned again. <laughs> it looks like tires screeching in the air and everybody's looking <laughs> yeah. around like, what is that noise? Yeah. Oh, man, that's so funny. So like they keep following her around. They stay at a hotel and they're eating breakfast. And then the hotel guy comes over. Hey, like, is there a Harry Potter here? I got a hundred of these letters. Just like casually chilling at the front desk. If you want to like burn, it's like, I'll take them. Like runs over, goes to burn them. We also learn while they're going around that our boy Harry is turning 11 very soon. Because we could always count on Dudley to know what day of the week it is based on what television program is about to show. And Dudley is super upset that he's going to miss tonight's episode of The Great Humberto. Poor kid. That must be what he saw when the Dementor tried to suck his soul out. So I can imagine that's why it caused the change of heart in him. So they eventually get to this like cabin out by the water and Vernon goes inside and he comes back out with like this giant package and this like little baggie of stuff. And they get this beat up little boat that Vernon rows them all to this like desert island. Like this dude's taking him out to the middle of a lake just to like avoid all the possibility of these letters. <laughs> but as much as we make fun of him, like Vernon bought a gun, like the crazy bastard. That's what's in that big log package. Like he's ready for wizards to come down. He's just going to go out blaze of glory if it comes down to it. This is when I get really confused at how they know that wizards are a thing, but they don't seem to understand what they're capable of. He, he brought a rifle to fight a wizard. This man's confused. Yeah, so I think Petunia is the one that really knows like what they're capable of. But then Vernon is just like, yeah, I um, they're crazy. They're just like really crazy people. I have this gun. I'm safe. But we'll clearly find out that he is very wrong about that. Also, keep in mind in this time where we have COVID-19 going around, the Dursleys are doing a great job of social distancing. They've been staying around only themselves. They're keeping away from people. Life's good. Until they Group get to the hotel, who knows Who knows who slept in that hotel room? And then they talk to the oh, hotel God, they, front, front guest guy. Oh, dude, they probably got bit by bed bugs. That place sounded so grimy. It There's no disgusting. way. Those sheets, those sheets were clean. That's disgusting. Oh, my God. I'm glad they only stayed there one night, and now they're staying in this, like, really shitty shack out on a lake. They make Harry freaking sleep on the floor with, like, a really thin, ratty blanket. Garbage people. They suck. They suck so much. But it's so funny that like Vernon's like, oh, we've got rations, everybody. We're okay. And it's like some bananas and bags of chips. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Like coming from the military background, I heard rations. I'm like, oh, did he actually bring MREs or some kind of like box lunch? He pulls out a bag of potato chips. Like, <laughs> you're an idiot, Vernon. It's and like 
that's only enough food to stay there for one night. I'm Literally sure. one night. It's also clear that these letters come every day. <laughs> yeah. So what was your plan after that, pal? That, that was it. That was the whole plan. Well, he got lucky. He actually didn't have to think of another part of a plan. So everybody's hanging out at the uh, lake house. Uh, naturally, Vernon and Petunia have a very nice bed that they're sleeping in in a spare bedroom. Dudley's on the couch with plenty of blankets so his fat ass doesn't get cold. And Harry is just watching Dudley's clock as the time gets closer to midnight. He can't wait to, until he turns 11. He's got to like say a little happy birthday to himself and call it a night like he always does. It's kind of a bummer how our poor guy hasn't had a good birthday before. But that is hopefully about to change where we hear some bangs outside. A lot of movement, a lot of activity. Harry's like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, just one really loud boom on the door. And that's where that chapter ends, bringing us into chapter four. Just to close out chapter three, I have this. This has to be the first theory that I make myself because I, I read through this this chapter. And the only thing that stuck with me were the number of letters Harry got in the mail. For some reason, I don't know if it was Dumbledore, McGonagall or just by random. But he gets one letter then one letter, then three letters, then 12 letters, then 24 letters, which you said was probably your funniest one when it was in two dozen packs of eggs, <laughs> and then 30 or 40 letters, and then near 100 letters, and then one letter, because it's hand-delivered. That's just the most random string of numbers that's I've ever read, and they have to mean something. What do the numbers mean, Mason? Oh, dude, you'll have to dig into that and find out. They're either Massive. random numbers or J.K. Rowling had another plan deep inside. But that's also funny, the escalation, how it goes from, like, we just got a couple letters and now we have a ton of letters. Yeah, the, Good first, luck. the first two days, Dumbledore's polite. He's like, I will send them one just to show them that I mean business. I'll change the address on the second. After yeah. that, we're done. <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, it makes you think, too... You see it in the movie, especially where there's like letters falling from the sky. But like when all these letters just shoot through the chimney, how did he not get one? How did he, he's the he's supposed to be a great seeker, but he couldn't even catch one letter. Are you kidding me? Harry Potter, the boy that was lazy, like it was right in front of him and he didn't want to go grab it. Harry Potter, the boy who doesn't think is more like it. He is also pretty dumb. Oh, my God. Yeah. Remedial student, man. Him and Ron Weasley, man, are two of our great heroes are so dumb, but they're so great. They're so, so dumb. Oh, gotta love it. Okay, so our door just got kicked in, my man. Yeah, chapter like four. Are. Oh, yeah, and who's standing there but Rubius Hagrid himself. So the dude, he just doesn't care, man. Blasts through the door, strolls in, finds our pal Harry Potter just chilling, and Harry's just, like, super shook. And I really love how they do this, both in the movie and in the book. I actually think I kind of like the book a little bit better, where, like, Vernon hears him, hears Hagrid break in, and he, like, comes out with his gun. And then Harry's like, oh, that's what was in that package. Cool. And then he's like, get out of the, get out of the cottage. Like, leave at once. You're breaking that ring. Hagrid just goes, ah, shut up, Dursley, you great prune. And then he just reaches over the back of the sofa, takes the gun out of Vernon's hand and like bends it into a pretzel and then just like threw it away. <laughs> Vernon's like, oh no. No magic involved. Just pure brute strength proving how little of a care Hagrid has. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so great. He's just like such a big man, just doesn't care. He's like, I will claim what is mine and bends it, over, bends it up and tosses it away. Also, I think that he does a really good job. Uh, Robbie Coltrane, the actual actor who plays Hagrid, he actually just had a recent birthday, which is funny enough. Happy birthday, Robbie Coltrane. 
he actually does a really good delivery of this line. And I think I kind of like it better in the movie, actually, where he goes, ah, dry up, Dursley, you great prude. And, like, it looks like Vernon's going to go shoot the gun, but Hagrid just bends it up and, like, he shoots into the sky instead. This whole scene in the cabin on the ocean was just better in the movie to me. I think it was really well done. I will give them credit for that. I think this was very well done, but we'll get into a little bit in a little bit. Some parts I would kind of like to change up a little bit. So Hagrid looks like his whole entry is something that could be like a classic Florida man article where he just breaks <laughs> in with a cake and demands liquor. <laughs> He's just like, no, y'all don't have any tea or anything, do you? I'll take something stronger if you're not, if you're offering. And Lights like, oh, fireplace I- with umbrella demands liquor. <laughs> <laughs> there it is dude it, it writes itself it really writes itself a lot of harry potter could just be a bunch of florida man stuff it is just a like ton of florida man is that like florida must be the wizard retirement home that's all florida man is is wizards almost getting caught by us oh my god it's gotta be and all these people are under the imperial or like people are imperiousing other people so they go eat people's faces that's not bath salts it's like people under curses yeah you know what? That's that's a spinoff. That's possible. We could write it. It explains why it. Tom Brady is retiring in Florida. There you go. He's just going to hang out with all his fellow people. He is a wizard. He has to be. No other no other explanation. Something else that's super funny here is like when Hagrid pulls out the cake, and Vernon automatically assumes that him and his family are entitled to some of it. He's like, Dudley, don't take anything he gives you. <laughs> then Hagrid just hits him back with, your great pudding of a son don't need it fattening anymore, Dursley. Don't worry. Oh, my God fucking crushes him like That's... honestly he could have just dropped the mic grabbed harry and walked out at that moment no yeah, one done anything oh my god and then we have our first serious oh shit moment here where we find out that the dursleys never told harry anything about hogwarts or magic or any of that other stuff we get a real big idea that they truly knew everything and it's not great <laughs> but then Hagrid is like losing his mind. He's like, do you mean to tell me that this boy, this boy knows nothing about, about anything? And then Harry's like, this is going a bit far. I've been to school and like, my bad. <laughs> I know math. <laughs> it would have been so great in the movies if they added like a little piece here where he's like, well, I know my multiplication table or something like that. And it's just like, that's not what we're talking about. And then he Hagrid just keeps going down the line of stuff he's talking about. And he keeps hearing that like Harry's like, oh, I don't know. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, he better get used to saying that because, like, anytime somebody tells him, he's just like, oh, I don't know. So he gets to that point and, like, Hagrid mind. Like, he's about to rip Vernon to pieces right now. He's like, are you kidding me? And then I kind of wish they added a little bit more of this into the movie where we're really hearing that Vernon knew all this stuff and, like, Hagrid's, like, really grilling him on it because I think that would have been good for Hagrid's character because he really takes a backseat in the later movies. He does, he does. So I think that would have been pretty cool if they added in some stuff. And then the very unfortunate thing is the delivery of the big reveal is not as cool in the book. Yes. Not as mystical as it was. Absolutely. Where like, That's like where Harry... I give huge props to the movie is, is yeah. honestly, just for this one line makes this entire scene better. Yeah, and like, really? The only thing they did was change around the word order a little bit. That's it. Where they just reversed it. They said, you're a wizard, Harry. Like in the books, in the movie, where like it's in the books, it's like, Harry, you're a wizard. It's like they're giving him like some diagnosis or something. Yeah. Absolutely bonkers, but good on, I need to look back and see who the director of the first movie was, but good on them for that little change. I'll give them that. Credit will be given. So we're talking about Harry having all of these 
we go back through all the different things that he's done by magic that he like just did it by accident and didn't know we get to Harry's been on Harry's been on the list to go to Alabama. I mean, Hogwarts for years now he was been down and like Hagrid's telling him that and Hagrid realizes, I just thought it was funny how Hagrid like realized he, I had to tell Dumbledore that he succeeded in his mission. He's like, Oh, galloping gargoyles. And he like pulls this little tiny owl out of his pocket, like writes a little note. He just throws the owl out into the storm. He's like, goodbye, little buddy. Good luck. <laughs> There's a, a couple things. I, I can't remember if it was this chapter or the next one that Hagrid almost has like too much of a, a perfect worldview about Harry and Gryffindor and Dumbledore. Uh, definitely about Dumbledore. We see oh, yeah. um, in the future, but Harry's name being written down ever since he was born is not special to Harry. It's not because he was the chosen one or anything. That's literally how the Hogwarts admission system works. There's a magical book that as soon as a magical person is born, their name is written in this book to have a letter sent to them on their 11th birthday. That's it. So Hagrid, yeah. like, in his head is like, oh, yeah, Harry's so special. He was written in his book from the day he was born. He's like, yeah, but so were Ron and Hermione and Malfoy and literally everyone else. Yeah, man. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he was like trying to emphasize like you've been a wizard like from the beginning. You were always going to come to Hogwarts. But I think you're definitely right there. He definitely put some kind of mystique on it where it's like we find out later like, oh, just about like as soon as you're born a magical parent, you're basically written down. Or if like you show magical qualities, you're written down. Think yeah. of that nature. It's just another of ador uh, Hagrid's adorable qualities of like everything he views as, as good, he views as perfect. There is no in between. 100%, 100%. So then we keep going through here and like Harry's like grilling the jerseys because he's like, he's like, oh, you guys knew about all this stuff. And then Petunia is like, soup. she's always been super jealous of her sister for being magical. And you like really start to see some of that here. We keep going forward. And I thought it was really funny how when they're talking about his scar, he's trying to say, oh, it's like Hagrid saying like, oh, it's from you know who. And he's like, Harry's like, no, I don't know who, like, who is that? trying to get Hagrid to like write it down or something. He's like, Oh, I can't spell. spell. <laughs> I died laughing when I read that. Come on, man. Like stop. They really made him look so dumb. It's so funny. It's bad. Um, man. And then Hagrid kind of acknowledges that they don't really know the whole story. Like nobody really knows like what happened except for naturally Dumbledore knows what's happened, but we'll catch up to that a little bit later when we start to talk to him, talk to him a little bit more about the end game when we get to that point. So we get to the point of that night that Voldemort couldn't kill a little baby and say it again, scoreboard. Um, two to one. Two oh. Two oh Harry Potter. Two oh. No. We're just gonna keep two to one Voldemort. No way. Literally in this paragraph, we talk about how he killed two people that night. Uh, no, nah, dude. Harry get Harry got the dub in the end. That's I'm not saying he didn't. Oh my god. It's like two of your star players tear their ACL, but you still won the game. Like that that's is the way that is a crushing defeat. I would have rather taken the L. Depends on what game it is. I, any game other than the Super Bowl. Ah, oh, fair point. Okay, fine. Fair. Fair. I'll give you that, but I still say Harry's wedding in the grand scheme of things. Voldemort just had to take a, what, 11 year? Well, I guess it ends up being like a 15 year medical hiatus. <laughs> yeah, dude. He was on IR for way too long. <laughs> a really, yeah, really long time. Yeah, he's living on there. Like, uh, I can't even think of a really good example off the top of my head. Wow. Because um, no one stays in IR that long. He yeah, tries to exactly. come back in like Tony Romo style with a couple broken ribs after 11 years, but he realizes that's just a bad idea and goes back in IR. Yeah, definitely. Definitely realized he was not fully healed yet and needed to take a little bit more time. Good yeah, on he, him. That's he not did. hard to... <laughs> yeah, you got to rest your injuries. He needed a, a few more drops of unicorn blood before he's ready to come back. 
yeah, exactly. And they barely got any of that when they were going or when he was in the woods. So that's very unfortunate. He got interrupted by our boy, HP. So continuing on, uh, another fun fact is that Hagrid's listing off all the different people that were killed by Voldemort in like the death where he says some names of some very famous people like the McKinnon family, the Bones. Sue Bones is going to be a student in Harry's year. And I think that is her aunt that was killed by Voldemort. Yeah, and so I didn't recognize any of these names. Or is that the only important, not even important one, but is that the only connection? Is that Sue Bones? The McKinnons are important. I would have to do a little bit more digging, but they are mentioned at one point. And then the Pruitts are actually really important. So the Pruitt family, that is uh, Molly's maiden name, Molly Weasley. She's a Pruitt. And oh. she had brothers like Fabian and Gideon Pruitt and I, I remembered they died yeah yeah I they didn't, I didn't like, know that that was their name yeah they they from what Moody tells us in Order of the Phoenix they like took on they were out outmanned like two to one against a bunch they went out yeah they went I, out I it has been forever since I've read this I ended up reading the Wikipedia article on the Battle of Hogwarts and like going from there on who killed who but the two mm-hmm. brothers that were the defense against the dark arts teacher in the seventh book I think they were the ones who landed the final blow on Molly's brothers. I don't oh. I can't stand them. How little book time they got, they still rank up their top five people I despise the most in these books. Oh, dude. They get their comeuppance so good in Deathly Hollows. Do you yeah, remember that part? I, oh. I remember most of it. Fantastic. I That's one thing that I really wish was in the movies because that part was so good in the books. Well, Snape, such a Snape like defects, de- defects, deflects mcgonagall's attack and kills one of them in the movies which just made me so happy because you know he hated them too so he's like oh, yeah. whoops i accidentally killed you I'm like <laughs> get him snape yeah no like no you're right i just kind of would have liked to see like, luna stupefies one of them and like knocks him down so like all the kids wake up and they're like what's going on and then the other carol comes in and they're like talking to mcgonagall and mcgonagall like sets him straight and then he like spits in her face do you remember that part? No, not at all. Oh, I'm excited to reread all of this. I can't wait. Oh, dude, it's so great because like Harry's there under his invisibility cloak, and like her and like McGonagall and the other Carol are like going back and forth, and then the other Carol brother spits in her face, and then you just hear Harry go, "You shouldn't have done that." And he like takes off his cloak and he like hits him with the Cruciatus curse, and like it actually works. Oof. Like, it, it hits him hard enough to, like, raise the guy off the ground and, like, slam him against a bookcase. It's awesome. <laughs> Book 7 has a ton of crazy spells performed by the good guys that mm. I never would have thought would be performed by good guys. True. Like, it's a lot of imperious curse usage. Yeah. Uh, Molly's whatever she does to shred Bellatrix into a million pieces of paper. Oh, Yeah. Dude, and like, I think in the movies it's hilarious when like they're going into Gringotts and like one of the goblins starts to come back, and then like Ron is the one that uses Imperium on him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like get him back under control. Like, I thought that was really funny that they were just like, Here, Rupert Grint, you could finally do something in the movie. Here you go. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. Oh, it's so funny. And then after we hear about all these like former Order of the Phoenix people, Vernon says, I'm like, truly awful shit where he's just like oh the world's better off without the potters they were just like that you knew that they were going towards that end like with how they were and like that's just some straight garbage stuff he says like they were gonna beat the wizard out of harry which is like pretty fucked up and 
pretty not great for a young adult fiction book. And then they Haggard sets him straight and we start talking about Voldemort again a little more. And then there's a great quote on page 57 where Haggard starts talking. He says, some say he died. Codswab, in my opinion. To know if he had enough human left in him to die. Some say he's still out there biding his time, but I don't believe it. People who were on his side came back to ours. Some of them came out of kind of trances. And some of those people include the Malfoy family, which absolute garbage. They're death eaters. And they belong in jail. Lock them up. Fuck them. They suck. Hagrid just keeps on going, tell Harry all this stuff. And he's like, this has got to be a mistake. I am not extraordinary by any means. Like, there's something wrong here. But Hagrid is like a super bro. And he like reinforces like, hey, like, we're going to get you some training. You're going to be a pretty good wizard. And Vernon freaks out. He's like, I'm not having him go to any crackpot school to get taught by some crazy teacher. And then like Hagrid freaks out and gives Dudley a pigtail. <laughs> He's just like, whoops, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, like, I can't remember a lot of times when Hagrid like gets upset like he does here. It, it just shows you how much loyalty he has to Dumbledore. Oh, dude, you see some uh, you see some scary ones in Goblet and Order of the Phoenix also. Hagrid getting mad, so you got something to look forward to there. Good. And then Hagrid talks a little bit about how he got expelled from Hogwarts in his third year, and like usually Hagrid, the dude who spills all the beads, like Harry's like, oh, what happened? And he's like, oh, I think we best go to bed. This one hit me so hard. I I felt so bad knowing that it wasn't his fault. I'm like, stupid stuff, Hagrid. Stupid stuff that you didn't deserve. Yeah, I know. You're a good guy. You're a good guy. You should be a wizard right now. Yeah, I know. We're going to learn more about all this injustice in the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Because Is it really all the way to Order of Phoenix that we... Oh, wow. I completely misspoke. It's Chamber of Secrets. That's Chamber what I thought. Secrets. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, very incorrect there. So that is going to bring us about to the end of Chapter 4, where Hagrid is just like, yeah, I conquered your house and now I'm sleeping on your couch. And that's where we end on Chapter 4. Drew, you have anything else that you'd like to add about that chapter? Just a random thing. I had no idea McGonagall was the deputy headmistress. In in her autograph on one of the letters, it claims that she's like the legit number two of Hogwarts, which I never knew. I just thought all four house leaders were equal power. Mm-hmm. Yep, our uh, our pal Minerva here. She is uh, she is very high up in Hogwarts standing, and I think you see her in the Crimes of Grindelwald when she's a very young professor at the school. I think she's teaching Transfigurate. She's Let's, either either a student or she's teaching something else. She, that's that's that is indeed a teacher with the last name McGonagall. Let's not get mm-hmm. into that one here because that's that opens up a whole can of worms that. She shouldn't have been born yet, and it's very confusing. Okay, fair point. We will avoid that for now. I'm hoping in the next movie they explain it and that Dumbledore is actually just screwing with time travel all over the place, but we'll see. Got it. All right. We're getting to the last chapter that we're going to be covering here, and it's going to be a good one because we're going to Universal Studios, and we're going to check out Diagon Alley. Chapter five. Have you actually been to the Universal Studios yet? You live so close now. Dude, I haven't been to the one in California, but I've been to the one in Florida. The one in Florida is really fun. Good enough. Yes. I went to the one in California and it was amazing. I bought Luna's wand and a Ravenclaw sweater and it was fantastic. That's awesome. I bought myself a Weasley sweater and I bought the two park pass and I stayed in Hogsmeade the entire day. (laughs) What what a waste of the two park pass. (laughs) Nope, I got to see Hogwarts and Hogsmeade the entire day. It was very worth it. 
I did not try enough of the Hogwarts food, like the butterbeer or any of that. I have to go back and make sure I try some of that. Hold on. So you're telling me that you went to Universal and you didn't have any butterbeer? I did not. I ended up riding all the rides for too long. I went on the, the roller coaster ride three times because mm-hmm. the, the walk through was more enjoyable than the actual ride. So we like slowly walked through and listened to all the stories and read all the stuff on the wall. I thought that was one of the coolest wait lines I've ever seen. Oh, no, it was really cool. I definitely enjoyed that, too. Uh, dude, we'll have to go at some point. We got to get you back to try some of this stuff. I'm surprised. Did you go to the candy store and get fudge? Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, naturally. You went Honey Dukes. Yeah. Classic. Okay. I wanted to be sure. I was, I was going to have to make sure you weren't an imposter. If that's something. <laughs> I bought so, the, the many flavored beans as well and made my mom try some of the bad ones. Oh, my God. Your poor mother. I she know. probably got it. Did she get any like really bad flavors? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She had Gryffindor like you, though. She got over it. Powered through it. Good stuff. Oh, knew I loved your mom for some reason. <laughs> oh, man. Got him. All right. Chapter five Diagon Alley. This is going to be a lot of fun. We get to see a lot of different wizarding stores and a lot of different examples of magic. It's it's going to be a great time. Absolutely. So, chapter four is like what opens the door. And now we're actually in the world. And it's chapter five is the first like actual explosion of cool. Oh, it's phenomenal. And oh, dude, I don't even want to wait. Let's just dive right into this thing. So Harry wakes up and he's channeling his inner Biggie Smalls here where he thinks it was all a dream. But then he wakes up and there's Hagrid lying across from him. Wasn't a dream, buddy. It's real life. It was real life. So he's like super happy. And this is probably like one of the only times in his life he's ever been happy. So that's like super great. He's looking at the book list after he finds out a little bit about magical money is when Hagrid has him give some nuts to the delivery owl that dropped off the Daily Profit. And he's like, oh, well, I don't have any money. And we're going to see how raw he is very shortly. Like we were just talking about with that sleek, easy hair potion. Dude is loaded. We are going to go to Diagon Alley, not just to get Harry some of his school supplies, but we are also going to get something very important from one of the vaults in the Wizard Bank Gringotts. Which... Very important. We're going to Diagon Alley, not diagonally. Yes, we're not going diagonally. We might walk diagonally through Diagon Alley, but we're not going to Diagon Alley. Just a good thing to point out for later in case someone needs that difference. Just saying. Yeah, we got we got differences here, man. We're good. We're golden. Poor so... Harry. Oh, my God. So I want to know why exactly Hagrid is being trusted with some of these important tasks because dude drinks way too much and he doesn't know how to shut up a lot of times. I mean, I would argue that that goes back to he's so loyal to Dumbledore that the only times we see him upset is when someone insults Dumbledore. Dumbledore knows that this is the guy you can trust with literally anything because he's going to get it done for you because he likes you so much. All right, that's that's something I could work with. Just because, just seeing some of the stuff that like Hagrid messes up on, it's like, oh, I'm not sure if I would really trust him with something super important. It's a little <laughs> sketchy when the bartender says, the huge bro? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, Hagrid, we heard you coming a mile away. We got your drink ready for you. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, Hogwarts business can't. <laughs> that's so funny. One of the few times that our boy refuses alcohol. It's <laughs> when he's on official Hogwarts business, when he's technically on the clock. When he's the so keeper of the keys, no alcohol. Timing. So we get a lot of background without getting force-fed too much background, in my opinion, on the Wizarding Bank of Gringotts and how it's impregnable. There's magic guarding a lot of stuff. There's dragons guarding vaults. Um, Can't stress the impregnable part enough. They must say it three, four times here. Exactly. You cannot get into Gringotts, whatever you say. But no the way. gang does not know no, how to get No one is ever going to break in and fly out on a dragon, ever. There's literally no way. Yeah, never. There's no shot. That's like such a one-off 
thing and yeah. so rare that it would never possibly happen. Physically can't. Physically impossible. The math doesn't check out. <laughs> go, go back to go back to your worksheets here. So that kind of goes with the point that we get a lot of like key facts about stuff, but it's not like really annoying. Oh, this is the Wizard Bay Gringotts. It was established in like year XXYY. All this kind of stuff that some authors might do. So yeah, we hit the main bullets, not the subtopics yet. Yeah, exactly. And it's a really good job, but we're trying to get to Diagon Alley here. Haggard is leading Harry to all the places. We're trying to go into London and dude is doing a garbage job maintaining the statute of secrecy on top of things here. He's like, oh, muggles like what he's looking at parking meters and like he's just so much bigger than everybody else and doesn't know how money works which dude it's paper with numbers on it our money is a thousand times easier than their money even in in london which i understand they have some different kind like i know pounds is a little harder to understand than dollars that's why they changed it recently Mm -hmm. but like come on son your money makes no sense and you're gonna say the muggle money makes no sense oh my god yeah that's like always bonkers to me like nobody in the wizarding world knows how to use like actual money like it makes zero sense i don't understand it just mr weasley after his years of experience and practice to understand muggles. Hold on. This no, this dude works in the the division that works with muggle objects in the Ministry of Magic and he doesn't know how to change money to get on the subway. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Does he show up to work? Does he do anything? Malfoy's always shitting on Rod for like his dad being such a low level at ministry, but like maybe he has a point. There's a point. <laughs> oh my god dude, just because a dad plays not... daddy ball doesn't mean he's wrong yeah like arthur come on man you're gotta be better than that it's, it's bad it's bad <sighs> especially if you have all these damn kids man you gotta have a good enough job to afford them oh my god and then also fun one off Rocky, i'd like a dragon <laughs> i love that there's i mean we'll get into it at the at the end of the segment but there's just so much foreshadowing in these five chapters Oh, dude, they're just, they just drop so much like little hints here. And it's so fun catching that on rereads. I enjoy it a lot. So now that we're in Diagon Alley, and now that we are planning on doing our little errand here, we're going to do some back to school shopping too. Also, I thought it was funny how like they say the robe should hold a name tag. Did you notice that? Like, I thought that was really weird. I I saw it. I don't believe in the movies that any person ever wore a name tag. And I don't remember it being a thing in the books ever. But I guess it makes sense so that everyone can learn your names the first year. Yeah, definitely. I'm just like imagining all these name tags here and Fred and George are just switching theirs every day. So they mess with whatever teacher they have. Constantly. We had twins in our grade that did that nonstop. Mm. Dude, me and uh, me and Mitch did that in Miss Du Bois's class because she couldn't even see us. She was senile. God, that's bad. Yeah, it was but yeah, bad. I like Fred's better at astronomy and George is better at charms. You better believe that they're taking charms twice and astronomy twice. Oh, 100%. I wouldn't expect anything less, but we kind of learned that the twins weren't very good at like school magic. They were good at just regular real life magic. At, at everything else magic. They're very street smart. Very true. And we go through some of the books that they need, and we see some interesting titles and people that we should keep in mind, one of which is A History of Magic by Batilda Backshot, who Batilda is going to be very important later. And Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. My boy. Newt Scamander himself. I love Newt. List. Love everything about the new movies. I think they're 100% better than the original movies. Almost because it's like its own original story, probably. Like, I'm not trying to translate books into a movie. We're just going into this brand new. But, oh my god, I love him. I love Newt. I love the actor that portrays him. He does perfect. And it's so cool seeing all the throwbacks 
that created this whole like it's a five movie series based on a dude who wrote a fictional book in a fictional world yeah that takes like next level amount of creativity to come up with a lot of respect there absolutely that's really awesome i definitely need to revisit those movies it's been a while since i've seen them so, so good the next That'll one is, i don't think it's supposed to come out until 2021 so you have time i do have time i will make sure to catch up on that i assure you that so we get to something that like might be missed on an initial read which i thought was interesting was that the leaky cauldron isn't really a bar that anybody could go to it's a straight up just like you can only see it if you have magic in your blood yeah i did not notice that yeah it's something that definitely escapes you the first time you go through so i thought that was really interesting to kind of note where Harry and Hagrid note that they're the only people that could really see it from what it seems. They go inside, like you said, bartender knows Hagrid on site, calls him out, oh, you want your usual? Like that kind of stuff. Dude turns down the drink, says, oh, Hogwarts business, taps on his little envelope in his pocket. So really sell it and like show what's going down. Um, he's got to make sure his bar buddies know that he's not just turning down a beer for anything all right because you don't just turn down beer exactly he's not the glorified lance just the glorified landscaper of hogwarts right now he is important so good for him we go out back after we run into a bunch of people which include tom the barman and professor quirrell who we note does not have a turban on his head yet he's still a normal guy does he not nope not yet i didn't even notice that yep no turban he's just bald quirrell just hanging out interesting well yep. i'm i'm gonna be re- don't definitely don't tell me but i'm gonna be very uh, excited to find out when the turban appears then because i thought he had it already and then they talk about how he went out into the real world for a year and got so scared i assumed that was when the merge hmm. happened so i didn't even notice he didn't have his turban nice just definitely keep that in mind and then keep it in mind when we get to hogwarts again i will we're going through we've met a couple of characters that are going to be important throughout the series and throughout the book and we start to see a little bit of magic in place where Hagrid takes Harry out behind the bar. We go two two bricks up and three across once we reach the garbage can and give it a little tap and they're in Diagon Alley, which is awesome. Great entrance into the magical world right there. So we're going through all the different all the different stores in the alleyway that we could see. And it's like anything that you could possibly imagine in the wizarding world. It's like a hustling, bustling little shopping center. And like Harry sees the Nimbus 2000 in the window for the first time, which is like, oh, it's a very nice broom. It's like really good. We keep going through Diagon Alley and we eventually get to the door of Gringotts where there is a foreboding epitaph on the door, which reads, Enter stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For those who take but do not earn must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that was never yours, thief you have been warned, beware of finding more than treasure there. Which is awesome. We start to get into that a little bit more where we find out that there's dragons guarding some of the like high-level vaults down below. Allegedly. Curses. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, like dragons are a myth. They're like birds. Birds aren't real. Birds are cameras. <laughs> They're Russian spies. Oh my god. R slash birds aren't real. Um, <laughs> so our pal Griphook the Goblet, the Goblin, is going to take us down to the vaults where crazy cart ride, which also if you haven't gone on that ride at Universal, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, we're riding down to the center of the earth, like twisting and turning everywhere. And lo and behold, Harry's rich as fuck. So yeah. he just pulls out like a couple 
couple stacks here and there of galleons and sickles and nuts and he's got plenty of money like he's got enough money to last him all seven school years in his wallet right now like no big deal just he never in his wallet yeah i love how they explain he literally doesn't know what this money is worth because he he doesn't understand the translation from european money to wizard money but he knows that he's rich just by mm. looking at this pile of money he's like dang i don't know how rich yet but i know i'm rich <laughs> Oh yeah, it was super obvious. Good for him, man. Good for him. You see it so many times throughout the series. He's like, oh, it's a good thing the Dursleys don't know about this. They'd be trying to take it. Their money is money to them, man. They would just be like jumping on that because apparently you could exchange it because you see when they all go to Diagon Alley and I think their third year, like Hermione's parents come or the second year, Hermione's parents come and they exchange uh, muggle money for wizard money at Gringotts. So yeah. They could definitely do that easily if they were I, to steal some. I know it goes hand. back the other way as well because it's just gold, silver, and bronze. So it's you could just go to any gold shop and trade it for real money. Oh, 100%. Good call, man. Good call. I didn't even think of that little piece, but good call. After we get Harry's money, we go down to Vault 713 where Hagrid gets a little grubby package, which, like, why is it so important? Don't know at this point. But this will eventually come up and be important. And also, like, side note, Harry's best friend and like his entire family is super poor and like they could barely afford anything because Arthur is a pencil pushing straight and narrow dude that like does the bare minimum to keep his job. So like, why can't you just give your boy some of your gold? You know, right. like he just buys really garbage stuff. Like he had a broken wand for an entire year. Right. <laughs> Harry literally goes and lives with them. You could just pay them a million dollars in rent and be like, oh, whoops, I miscounted. Oh, well, and yeah. then they're rich. Yeah, but then like he, Ron breaks his wand in Chamber of Secrets. And Harry just looks at it, he's like, "Huh, that sucks." <laughs> Only you had a rich friend who could fix that. Yeah, I know. Nope, sorry, pal. I'm gonna invest in your brother's business, but I'm not gonna give you anything. Yeah, that was the best part. <laughs> well, buy him some dress robes after he already got made fun of and got didn't get to go out with his girl to the Yule Ball. Way to rub it in, Harry. Jesus. Um, so we get the package and. Hagrid is super shook. He's not good at handling the Gringotts cart rides. So he dumps up, ducks off to the bar finally to get his fix. And he's like, Harry, you could go to Madame Malkin's without me, right? And he's like, yeah, I guess I could get some robes. And he heads into Madame Malkin's where he meets uh, meets a little Death, Death Eater Jr., our first introduction to little Draco Malfoy, who just spouts off some racist shit and like makes harry feel like garbage because he doesn't know anything about like quidditch or the house system or anything like that also super offended because malfoy's like if i were at huff or pufflepuff i think i'd leave wouldn't you like come on man like that's pretty garbage hufflepuff yeah. are nice people yeah i didn't remember this from the book or the movie i honestly don't even know if the movie has malfoy be the first person he meets but it it stings so much that the first wizard of his own age that he meets is is draco malfoy ouch it's not great set the standard yep we just got some racist pure blood kid here that's basically like a little white supremacist running around inside this store and also keep in mind dude never gets disciplined for it ever anytime he says anything he's he's praised for it dude like chamber of secrets like when mrs norris is frozen he's like enemies of the air beware you're next to mudbloods he screams that with professors next to him (laughs) yeah no one says anything yeah, they're like, oh, good job, Draco. You're right. I mean, he's Ten 11 years old, uh, just met a random 
other 11 year old and one of the first questions he asks is like oh but both your parents are wizards right just making sure because otherwise i couldn't talk to you oh my god and you see that this is kind of a recurring theme with his character like oh absolutely. something that i think gets lost is that tom felton the actor is a great dude but malfoy the character is a piece of shit yeah he did an amazing job acting it's a it's a lot like um joffrey from game of thrones oh yeah but like people love tom felton and they think malfoy is like a great like noble character because of him which is kind of unfortunate it's not his fault he did a really good job in his role outside of being draco he's just like such a good dude and super into harry potter so like fans love him and they're like oh draco's not that bad it's like no draco is bad Draco's (laughs) a horrible person yeah although draco did nothing wrong hashtag draco did nothing wrong nope his family should be in jail his family should but draco did nothing Okay, fair. Draco does nothing wrong, but he does spout some ignorant shit. And yeah, but I mean, okay. that's it's a free country. You can do what he wants. Uh, whatever, man. Fair point. Fair point. You got <laughs> there. So now they're going through Diagon Alley after like Harry kind of goes through everything that went down with Hagrid. Hagrid brought him an ice cream and all that. And also Malfoy shits on Hagrid, which not cool. He's like, oh, who's that great oaf outside or something like that when Hagrid's like pointing that he's got ice cream for Harry. I thought that was really funny. This, uh, it, like, it, it was okay. funny that this is the only time that Harry starts to realize that Malfoy's been a jerk this entire time. He's like, wait, no, two and two aren't adding to four anymore because I know Hagrid's nice. So this guy must <laughs> not be nice. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Uh, completely changed his worldview, man. Uh, right. So they're walking along Diagon Alley, like just getting all Harry's miscellaneous stuff. And like, dude has all this money. And he's just like, I'm just going to spend it right now where he wants this weird color changing quill. He wants golden cauldrons and shit like that. He's like a rapper who just got paid or something like that. He's just like, oh, I'm going to buy all gold and like fancy everything. And Harry's got to like reel him in. He's like, come on, man, just buy what you need. You don't need anything super crazy. Also really sweet how he gets his first birthday gift ever, and it's like our pal Hedwig the Owl. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Great character. She's very fun. Very sassy. So last thing on the list is we got to get the wand. Harry goes to Ollivander's. Boom. Ollivander is super creepy. Whoa. Hey. Whoa. Ollivander is not creepy. He's got these big staring eyes, and he's just like, oh, peculiar, peculiar. Eyes full of curiosity and knowledge. Oh my god. He this says is, Voldemort did great things. <laughs> you really get a trash talk for first Ravenclaw we meet? This is the, the status that you're setting for Ravenclaw? Um, hey man, I'm saying I think Terry Boot and Anthony Goldstein and Padma Patel are great people, but Ollivander is not great. Ollivander is amazing, man. Oh, no, he's soft. And we will we will argue about him All right. more later. Exactly soft, soft does not make him not great. Oh my god. No, moderate mild truce for now mild truce where we'll just agree to disagree he is a genius Uh, and i wish i had his intellect that he can remember james and lily's wand like what that is pretty crazy and like james's wand had like an affinity for transfiguration i thought that was really cool and that's a nice little subtle foreshadow right there which is pretty fun how do you remember that like come on dude i don't know how i don't know how he does it he just remembers all the wands that's what he does so we have harry try a bunch of wands out Nothing's really working until eventually there's one that works, which is made of holly with a phoenix feather core. And peculiar touch here is that the phoenix tail feather came from the same phoenix that gave Voldemort his yep. for his wand. Oh my god, they're super super connected already. Look at this. 
bit of bit of both that I liked from the books and the movies. The movie did not make it seem like Harry went through a ton of wands. I think he only grabbed three or four in the movie. I love that in the books that Ollivander wants to get this exactly right. He is willing to make Harry sit there and go through a hundred wands to test. But when he does find the right wand in the books, it doesn't feel like it's the right one like in the movies when everything explodes and it's oh, beautiful yeah. oh it's just done so well yeah dude I'll, I'll agree with you though that's that's super cool that like if they could have combined like aspects of both into like how everything goes that would have been awesome yeah would have truly been the best of both worlds i also thought it was funny how he's talking about hagrid's he's like but they snapped that wand of yours after you were expelled didn't they and he's like oh uh yeah and he's like hiding his umbrella <laughs> don't don't look at the pieces that i put together <laughs> It's great. And the chapter ends with we're going back and Harry gives Harry his train ticket and Harry's like super shook and he's like, oh, everybody expects me to be so great, but like, I don't know anything. And then Hagrid's like, oh, dude, you're fine. Like, don't worry about it. Everything will work out. Everything will be okay. And then he just disappears. And that's the end of the chapter, which also super irresponsible. This is a child. Why are you leaving him alone? Leaving him <laughs> alone to then send him back to the people that you just saw abuse him. Fair point. I, I don't understand that bit but whatever yeah dumbledore's orders i don't know man so that's gonna bring us right to the end absolutely chapter five and that is going to be just about the end of the first five sections that we'll be covering harry potter dude how you feeling how you feeling going back through these books for the first time in a while i'm feeling fantastic there's so many small things that are so cool being being more absorbed into the world of harry potter Ollivander is a mudblood and like really? I didn't know what that meant when I was reading the fifth chapter as what a seven-year-old eight-year-old now looking back it's crazy how many wizards have to go to him for their wands because he's the best literally Voldemort goes to him for his wands and he hates mudbloods yeah so it's it, it's crazy seeing these little details that are thrown in when we're our feet aren't even in the water yet and we're getting splashed in the face oh yeah dude there's plenty of stuff that we could still discover man it's a really good time we are working through a lot of stuff here oh poor neville uh the fact that toads went out of fashion years ago and neville shows up with a toad <laughs> haggard just dropping the bombs on him. yeah his like really old uncle just got him a toad because like he couldn't show any magic before until then he's like oh oh here you go here's a pet yeah here you go Take this. Oh, I had this forever ago. No one likes it anymore, so it's yours. So yeah, that ends uh, chapter five. Awesome. Dude, great work. I think we might have went a little bit over here, so I think we could cut it at this point. I guess we'll just say stay tuned for next time when we're going to be covering chapters six through 11. Are we doing the, the seven awards? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, let's add those in. With our podcast, we are very big into sports and very big into tying things into sports. So we got seven game series. We've got seven books. Lucky number seven, seven major awards from our first section of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Getting into it, Drew, who would you say is your MVP performance for this section? I mean, we both kind of agreed on this one. We get so little from any one character other than Harry who just acts like an idiot for all five chapters. So it's got to be Haggard. We get him in chapter one, three, four, and five, and he's just an absolute boss who opens the door for the rest of the world. 100%. Very well said. Very well said. And I will totally agree with you. He has a very good showing in this chapter, both bringing Harry to safety to his aunt and uncle's house and showing him the ropes of the wizarding world is very key in this. Next question. The best dunk. So who threw down the best insult or dropped the best knowledge bomb in this section? So this is when, if you're going to give the MVP to Hagrid and then you have six other awards, just a quick look. I didn't see you give any of the other awards to Hagrid. If that happened in any normal sport, that'd be some nonsense. So obviously I got to give the best dunk to Hagrid saying, Harry, you're a wizard. 
and he really oh. blasting that door down, both literally and figuratively. Man, I'm gonna tell you, I agreed though. I had some good Hagrid action in this section where I gave him props for absolutely dunking on Dursley and saying after Vernon was like, "Oh, Dudley, don't take anything he gives you." He's like, "Oh, you're great. Put him put enough sun. Don't need fattening anymore, Dursley. Don't worry about it." <laughs> that is true. You did love that part. You just oh, it was great. I completely forgot about that piece, and it was so funny just to see it in the text. Fat Hagrid, fat shaming an eleven year old. It just it oh, hits right. I love it. <laughs> I love it deserving 11 year old to be shaved i've ever seen in my life okay number three yep number three so we're gonna go with the walk off here what was the best ending to any one chapter in this section i mean it's got to be the end of chapter three it kind of ties back into harrier wizard when hagrid literally blows the door down going from three to four opening up harry's world oh definitely would definitely agree with you there that's definitely a very key moment and not just the section we looked at but the series as a whole bulletin board material was there any one section that stood out to you as something to really keep in mind going forward and if so what was that so i said it earlier this entire five chapters is just foreshadowed there's foreshadowing nonstop. so the main one i had to include was you look a lot like your dad but you got your mom's eyes because that is so plot relevant looking forward going from snape to everyone how everyone feels about harry because he looks exactly like james but he acts like lily and he's got lily's eyes and just so many people say it but just random other small stuff uh harry being surrounded by water when going into an adventure happens way too often haggard wanting a dragon which we talked about and gringotts Mm -hmm. being a place you definitely don't want to rob which we talked about too just foreshadowing all over the place. JK is such a good author. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think another big thing was like him having to go live with his aunt and uncle just because it seems like such a throwaway, but it gets so important later on. Absolutely. Like the fact that they keep sending him back over and over and over again, there has to be a reason, which we will later learn. Agreed. So we'll get to number five now. Uh, Cinderella story. What was the best example of magic used in this segment? What would you say? Uh, again, this might be the movies seeping into my brain, but when mm-hmm. Harry finds his phoenix feather wand and the light show goes off and it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. That's the first real case of magic we get to see Harry use and it's beautiful. Yeah, I would probably say like when all the letters were in the eggs, I thought that was really funny. How it was just like some low-key thing and it was just like a little drop in there. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. It's just Dumbledore troll around as usual. Oh, 100%. So great. Just casual, like dunking on them. So number six is going to be like, what section made you feel the best? Yeah, the feel good section. Yeah, the 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 feeling of I just scored a touchdown was was yeah. <laughs> it was it's more of like a humble like oh like we just scored our first touchdown. It's oh, yeah. when um Hagrid pulls out the cake from his pocket. There is no better non vocal introduction to a character. How Hagrid was not a Hufflepuff blows my mind because he acts exactly like one but he's he went out and bought this cake beforehand for this kid that he's only met once when he was uh, what a year old and he squishes it in his back pocket he's just like i got you this cake it's ah oh man no that's definitely a good part i think kind of along the same lines as when they first go down to like Diagon Alley and he sees like oh I have money I can buy things all that good stuff I really enjoy that part it's definitely a feel good moment yeah we rich all right and the last piece here is the uh 30 for 30 moment so which piece of this section would you say is an all-time unforgettable piece I think a big reason on this is the the picture for this first chapter is Hagrid flying in on the motorcycle right because that image has always stuck in my head so that's got to be the one for me I think you're right 
I can look real quick, but just when I think Harry Potter, when I'm explaining the first book, I don't think Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone or Hogwarts. I I picture Harry being flown in as a, a little baby. It's not actually Harry. It's just Harry wrapped in the comforter. But I've always pictured Hagrid flying in on the motorcycle holding little baby Harry. That's that's the image that immediately comes to my head when I think of book one. Word. No, that's a really good one. And I would say mine is um when they mention like the toast around the country because it's like just this little kid. And it's like, oh, cheers. He did the thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's insane the, how celebrated he is in that day. It really shows yeah. you how under duress the wizard community has been for so long. That they all are going out celebrating, almost throwing away the Statue of Secrecy. Yeah, dude. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I think that covers just about everything, right? Absolutely. I think we uh, went through a lot today. Sweet. Send us out, man. All right. Thanks for uh, listening to Coast to Coast, cover to cover. Hopefully, we're going to keep this going, go over uh, all the fiction books we grew up on and loved, and maybe go on for a few more. But we'll definitely keep cranking through Harry Potter. I love doing this reread. Awesome, man. Glad to hear it.